Welcome back to Mages of Murder Dads, the best show dedicated to the Baldur's Gate franchise and beyond. I'm Cameron, and I play Ticklevar, the Sorcerer. And I am Danny, and I play Balthazar, the Barbarian. Not Balthazar the Monk. No. Right? No, there's only one true Balthazar. Mm, we'll talk about that in a minute. This is episode 39, and uh, today we're hunting down some of the infernal ball spawn. Just a regular day. Just a just another just another Monday. Just another Monday evening. Just another ball spawn Monday. Yes. Wish it was Sunday. Also ball spawn on that day. <laughs> it's really there's so many ball spawn, it's really just eight days yeah. a week ball spawn. Oh wow. Eight days a week. The ball <laughs> spawn. This is all just solid gold. Uh, come check out our musical theater podcast every other Monday, mm-hmm. uh, except December. Yes. Like and subscribe to this video, please, right now. Uh, this is basically the whole thing. Um, the whole thing is this way. And uh, look down in the description. You can see our Twitter, our Facebook, and our Discord. Which There's you can come hang so out many on. links. Every one of the descriptions has all these links, and you just need to hold control. And click on all of those links. What's holding control do here? Um, it will allow you, like, when you click it, it just opens a new tab so you don't navigate away from the video. Uh, I'm assuming we're using a Windows machine here. Yeah, yeah, we are. We mm-hmm. are. Uh, oh, but... If you don't use a Windows machine, uh, please just close out the window. <laughs> We've got strong opinions, and we're not afraid to say it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, and then after you open all those tabs, go into your options in Chrome. If you aren't using Chrome, fucking close this video. Go into your options in Chrome and set your your uh, whenever you start Chrome to open all of the videos, all of the your currently open tabs. Right? Yeah, that'd be really helpful. You're basically in, like instead of setting a home page, you're setting your home tabs, and your home tabs will be all of the links in this video's description. And yeah. don't look at anything else on the internet except those things. You do really not. You do not need anything else. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted one more thing, you could go to our Patreon. There you <laughs> and, go. Uh, and uh, come hopefully, check out. The... Hopefully, that's a link in the description. It, it is, but okay. You, know, you never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to get the extra ad read in there. Uh, <laughs> you can come and give us $5 a month to get a special additional podcast that we uh, make every month. And you can also uh, do some other stuff. I don't know. You can get a newsletter that we write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good stuff. It is. This is our third episode in The Throne of Ball, a, uh, the, the final entry in the Baldur's Gate franchise so far. I think this is only our second episode in Throne of Ball. Is it? No. 38 was the first. Uh, is that true? It is. Oh, gosh. All right. This is our second episode. This is our second of, like, five or four episodes of Throne of Ball at the rate we covered we're a lot of ground last episode. Then. We did. That's why I was, like, really lobbying hard to split that last one into two, but I got a big solid no mm, in the editorial I've... meeting. Yeah, oh. gosh. That was a lot of content in this episode. But we, uh, but here we are. Yes. In this one. So what did you do 
end of last episode, you kill Yagashura against his pseudo Greek myth uh, wishes. Against Melisande. those, against like pseudo Greek myths, against like every desire in the code of the game to mm-hmm. thwart me at every level. Yeah, you literally fought God. <laughs> I genuinely did. Um, and I got teleported, and, a, and a, a solar got mad at me or didn't get mad at me and gave me a vision. Like, I, I visited the, the ghost of Christmas past, and that, that was weird. And uh, then I was told, hey, there's, a, there's, a bu- there's these other balls spawn. You might need to look at them. And I said, well, hold on. Before I do that adventure, what if I need to buy a thing? What if I need to go buy some potions or some scrolls? And Melisande said, hey, there's a, there's a buddy I got, Balthazar. And I thought she said, there's a buddy I got, comma, Balthazar, like addressing me. Mm-hmm. But I look back at the footage now, knowing what I know now, and there was not a comma. Or there was, but it was a different kind of comma. Mm-hmm. And Balthazar. Insta- and instead of saying, hey, there's a buddy I've got, Balthazar, she instead was saying, there's a buddy I've got, Balthazar. You know what I mean? That's a real tonal inflection. It really is. That wouldn't matter for 99.9% of players. In this one, in the one, you know, hundredth of a percent, it mattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because. <laughs> she was instructing me to see an individual named Balthazar. She was not instructing me and then including my name for emphasis. Yeah. And so that's what this uh, this next chapter, chapter nine of uh, Throne of Ball is all about. It's really just about going and killing some ball spawn. Yes, because they're they're, they're they're powerful and they're big and they've got plans and they got machinations and unlike the hundreds of ball spawn living in the town, these are these are the real bad ones. Yes. So we have Sendai. Mm-hmm. Is one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's the only one whose name I know. <laughs> well, because that's what this episode's about, about y'all. So if you were opening episode 39 with the expectations that we would do the other ball spawn first, because we're splitting thir- episode 39, we're splitting chapter 9 into two episodes. If you were thinking maybe maybe Sendai would be episode 40, fucking close the window right now. Gosh, we're really this is a sliver of a sliver of a sliver of a population who's watching this video now. Yeah, I'm window, window, window using, Chrome using people who wanted Sendai first listeners, welcome. Yeah. Let's really let's let's bear our souls to you now, true mm-hmm. listeners. Yeah, you're the you're the chosen people. <laughs> Pretty sweet, huh? Yeah, great. Uh, and you can also uh, write a personal check to me for ten thousand dollars <laughs> uh, to learn a little bit about what I call the prophecies. Exactly. So the what we the location we are kind of funneled into after uh, the the siege camp is called the oasis. Yes. What is the oasis for? The oasis is to introduce you to I'm um, Catherine. There's no other explanation, right? It is just, it is literally like an in-between point plot-wise to kind of funnel you to the next hub. Well, you say plot-wise, and things do happen there, but I don't, I don't under, so, so what happened when you got to the Oasis? Maybe we had different experiences. I saw two people dueling, or like in a fight, and then they ended up fighting, 
Really? Yeah, they were in an argument. I'm serious. What I got, I went, I zoned into the, the Oasis, and a knight of Tefir named Jamis Tomblethan, perhaps the worst named fantasy character of all time. Whoa. Uh, he says, he says, uh, hey, you are uh, to be put to death for the sacking of Saradush. Hmm. And he said, get owned. And I said, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't do this to me. And then he said, I'm killing you now. And so he went hostile and about 30 other dudes went hostile and they all attacked me. Interesting. That's, that is what happened to me. Okay, so I zoned in and I immediately started hugging south, right? Mm-hmm. And I run into a monk and a priest of Joaquin. Mm-mm. This is in M. Catherine is what you're looking at. If you're looking at footage right now, you're looking at M. Catherine. This is not the Oasis. Oh, yeah. I thought we covered the Oasis in the last episode. No. We oh, not. we didn't. Yeah. No, you're correct. Yeah, the Oasis, I went in there and a bunch of people attacked me. Balthazar did not care why they attacked you. Like, you surrender any sort sense of, like, agency or, or like, choice or significance when you go hot. When your circle turns red, you are a mode of dust to me. So I don't, it's like, it's not my job to divine your motivations any more than it is Balthazar's job to, like, divine why a beetle rolls left or right, right? It's nothing mm-hmm. to me. Why do you think a beetle rolls left and right? It doesn't matter. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, well, a bunch of people attacked me in an oasis and I murdered everyone. Okay. So then we go to M. Catherine. Yes. I'm assuming that all of this murder uh, has some effect later in this uh, in this story. Like having killed all these knights of Tethyr, that seems bad. I don't know. That doesn't seem bad to you? That doesn't seem like a, like a problem? Are you saying this rhetorically? Do you know that it's going to affect one thing or another? I, I don't know. You don't remember? I, because you have played Throwing a Ball once. I have not. Yes. Yeah. But, but it was literally a decade ago. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so you go to Anne Catherine. Yes. And let's maybe lay out what Balthazar is all about. So Anne Catherine is a desert city yes it's got a big fortress in, on the north side mm-hmm. like a monastery yeah and it's kind of run by a monastic order i don't know if it's right to call it a theocracy but it's, it's basically not, it's yeah it's not a theocracy mm-hmm. like there's just a monastic order because you can talk to some you know i talked to various uh civilians and people hanging out uh, around over the course of my wandering around in Catherine. And really what's happened is, like, traditionally, historically, you would, uh, the monks had their monastery, and they might help out with the town, but they weren't, like, over the town. Yeah, I mean, my my sense was that the monks, under their auspices, the settlement flourished because the monks would provide a certain level of protection, right? But just occasionally, just like, occasionally, I, I think they no, were, they were not like an, yeah, they were not like an authority figure. But I think that the mere presence of those monks offered a bit of a, uh, not to conflate the two terms, a bit of an oasis, right? A bit of a, a respite from the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Um, and historically, benevolent figures these monks were, right? Mm-hmm. And it's only this recent development of this Balthazar character kind of uh, hoarding wealth, arms, uh, amassing some kind of militaristic presence, uh, ostensibly to shunt the uh, progress of other ball spawn because we know that Balthazar is a ball spawn. Yeah, he's yeah. building a military. Yeah. Um, and so because of the massive influx of mercenaries, it means that there, there's no food coming. There's no food for your the people who live there in Catherine, who have always been here. And I think this is, like, some of the best... Uh, I don't really, like... Hmm, what we would call, like, sandboxing, I guess, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is some Village of Homelet stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, there's a thing happening... There is a response, a world response to that thing. And, like, here's the setup of tension between these two poles, right? Sure. I like it's, it's got all of the pieces you need. It has a history. This is what the status quo was. It has a source of some kind of conflict, which is the emergence of these ball spawn and kind of Balthazar's rise to power, however that worked. It has... Uh, sides it has factions it has the monastic order it has the the mercenaries it has the you know the kind of the inhabitants yeah it's got all the pieces you need to be like a rich place to spend an hour and a half before you go to the dungeon right i mean i think you could run a whole D D campaign here probably yeah like i, like I, I want to i want to leave occasionally no, you have to be uh, <laughs> right here. You got to go in the inn, and you have to to roll to see if uh, people want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And you got to do it every day for two weeks, so people can trust you. Yeah, and most of your time is just like failing a roll and immediately re-rolling. Yeah, yes, it's only real if you do the rolls. Good. Um. So yeah, uh, so a few interesting things happen here, right? Yes. Um, the the first one I think is just talking to Balthazar. So if, if you go up near the gates of the the monastery, he says uh, he comes out from his fortress and he says, "Hey, uh, what's up, bro? Uh, got any cookies to sell me?" And I say, "Much no, ruder, much ruder." Oh, is he? Hey, where are my cookies? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so he's like incredibly rude, and you were supposed to meet Melisan here. Yes, right. That's the whole reason we are here. Is to, to regroup with her after the sacking of Saradush. Yes. And he says, like, I don't I don't know what your conversation looked like, but mine was like, he said, here, this is what she told me. She gave me a map of these other two ball spawns, Sendai, and the other one that we're not concerned with right now. Uh, and he says, they, they live here, go there and kill them. And when I asked any more for any more information, he was like, yeah, that's not, uh, I'm not doing any of that. Uh, please leave me alone and go away. Okay. What did you get? So basically he says, hey, there are these people out there and they should be killed. We're, we're yep. on the same page there. This is where... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, sure. Okay, well... Every other ball spawn I've met is is like been worthy of killing. Like, I don't like this Balthazar character, but... Seems like this is how we move forward here. Yeah, but but it does seem like a real big waste 
we just talked about how great this area was, how conceptually cool it is. Mm-hmm. And the mainline plot that you get here is just go here, kill people. Go there, kill people. Mm-hmm. You don't find that disappointing? No. Because you, because here's the thing, and this is the difference between us. I spent more time in this area after that conversation and like did some interesting stuff with respect to like mercenaries and smuggling and like a little graveyard that I had to unlock. And it sounds like mm-hmm. you just went on to do the main plot line. I did some things, but things that looked like they were uh, chunky side quests, like real big side quests, mm-hmm. I just decided I would do for like the next episode or the later episode yeah. chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair so, enough. So yeah, so what else did you do here then? Um, there is a, well, I think it's important for us to know, we meet a, we meet a very, um, we meet a very interesting fellow that we've met before. Mm-hmm. And An old friend. Well, friend would be very generous, wouldn't it? It would. It's the most generous thing you can do is call someone your friend. The least generous thing you could do is, like, the next person on my hit list. A human being I want to dismember. That bad, huh? Yeah. Saman Haverian is definitely a person Balthazar wants to kill. He's bad. He's not a good... he's here. He's not a good one. He's here briefly. So what do you see him doing? So I roll up, and he's being hassled by these mercenaries, basically. And the mercenaries are accusing him of smuggling uh, goods into town that he's not supposed to be smuggling. And he pulls the same stuff that he tried to pull when the Gith Yankee got on board. Did you notice that? Yes. Or some real, like, mirrored uh, mirrored uh, dialogue where Saman attempts to pull the player character in and then pawn the sin off on the player character. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, Saman is plot immune. There's no way to play this and actually get him. Did you try? Did you reload more than one time? I did. Gosh. Just yeah. can't get him. And I tried to like click him and, and like attack him to begin with, and it just didn't work. Eventually, the mercenaries attack you, and uh, I had to kill the mercenaries. There's another situation where like the mercenaries are about to attack some woman that's that's like a peasant or like maybe the daughter of a mayor here. Uh huh. Um, and I kill the mercenaries. I, I just kill so many mercenaries, and there's no consequences for that. Let's go. Let's go back. We're sure. really skipping forward here. I, I want to spend a second on Samen Haverian and float a theory here. Okay. Samen Haverian is the most annoying character in the Baldur's Gate franchise. Truly, the patches of Baldur's Gate. Literally, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Very similar function and role. So that that's kind of plank number one. Plank two, because of this. Saman Haverian is a more compelling villain than either Irenicus or Saravok. True. Like, I have seen, I have talked to Saman Haverian for less than 300 lines of text, probably. Mm-hmm. And I feel a deeper emotional hatred mm-hmm. and connection to Saman than I did any other villain that we have encountered. Yes. Why do you think that is? Because... Unlike Saravok, whose interaction, whose chief interaction and therefore uh, origin of your kind of heroic journey was a cutscene utterly out of your control where he killed your stepdad, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Where he killed Gorion, your guardian. 
Um, Saman has been someone with whom you have interacted with in dialogue and has betrayed you. Saravok and Irenicus have never betrayed you. They mm. were from the jump always against you and we knew what the score was. Right? Yeah. Like, I feel the same way about Patches and any boss in Dark Souls. Right? Like, did I feel antipathy towards Quaylag in the same way that I did towards Patches? No. Mm. This is kind of just like my... There, There is... Betrayal is a... And, and isn't, is that not the case in Dante's... Uh, Dante's Inferno? Like, the seventh ring of hell is... Of hell is dedicated to the betrayer right mm-hmm. yeah betrayers are are uh the worst the worst Satan. of the worst what brutus judas and who's the third one something oh, else no. one, sure. other one. Mm-hmm. one of the other others but even before that right all the the traitors who were in uh the lake of ice right yeah it's betrayers and murderers or something mm-hmm. i don't know it's been a while uh but yeah yeah i feel like that's uh i don't know just worth worth thinking about yeah we're thinking about that uh the most compelling uh, beings in this universe are the ones who uh, hurt your heart hearts and minds it really is and just if you need to if you need to know more about what that is you should just listen to whatever whatever the latest pop hit by uh taylor swift's about she'll tell you same in Havarian. uh it features heavily in taylor swift's oeuvre yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm yeah uh, reputation so reputation is an album about Samon Havarian. Gosh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I, I had the same thing, too, where um, I ended up killing a bunch of mercenaries uh, with no no one ever gave a damn one way or the other. And I think that's just because, like, this is not one big mercenary troop. It's a bunch of mercenaries. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, eh, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you stepped in it, mercenary number eight. Sorry, bud. Um, but yeah, that's where the the mayor's daughter trying to steal money to get food. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's where I kind of got all the information about the structure of the town and and how everything was before and how it is now and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I like when I have, if I have to choose between killing someone who's like stealing to feed a whole town mm-hmm. and two mercenaries who are literally destroying that town. Sorry, bye bye mercenaries. Yeah, not not a hard choice to be honest. Did you get this other thing where the uh, mercenary captain is training his archers? Did you do that one? I didn't get the archers. No. So it's a mercenary captain guy, and he's summoning monsters for his archers to shoot as target practice. And I stopped him. I was like, "Hey, dude, what are you doing?" And he was like, "Listen, I'm training my archers. Leave me alone." And I was hmm. like, where do these monsters come from? Isn't this cruel? And he was like, listen, I'm just shooting you now. It's like, Whoa. this is our new target. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's like eight archers just whip around and start shooting my party. Um, and I slew them in the streets. Damn. Once again. Well, hell. Heck and yeah. hell. Yeah, it's pretty cool, though. All told. But I think we can't we can't dwell too much about our little adventure in um, Cothran. But what about that priest? This is the coolest one. I'm saving this for last. That's true, and this is what I opened with because I thought this is where we were. This is the first thing I experienced when I mm-hmm. popped in. The priest of Joaquin and the monk are having this argument. And what's the argument about? 
it's really actually unclear. It's just that the monk is tired, or no, I'm sorry, the priest of Joaquin is tired of all the stuff that we've said already before, right? Sure, that, sure. That Balthazar has brought in the mercenaries, is kind of draining the town dry, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the basically the monk sees everything the priest of Joaquin is talking about as an attack on Balthazar's you know rule primacy etc. Yeah. Um the monk also throws a bunch of like religious slurs at the priest of Joaquin because I guess Joaquin at this point is silent oh. in the forgotten realms. Did you catch that? I didn't catch that. What does he say? Um I've got the footage right here. Yeah, he talks about how Joaquin isn't even answering prayers. Oh. Mm-hmm. A dead god. Yeah, truly. Um, but anyway, I uh, Balthazar did not have a dog in that fight. You just let it go? I let it go. I think it is bad. I don't, I don't know. Chicklevar stepped in and uh, beat the monk up. I'm assuming that the priest of Joaquin died. Yeah, for the monk, the monk, the monk killed the priest of Joaquin. I just don't. I, I feel like that. But anyway, well, I stepped in <laughs> and I killed that monk immediately. Whoa. And interestingly enough, another monk, like Dimension Doors in, or maybe Damn. a mage. I, I don't. I don't really know. And he's like, "Hey, don't do that shit. <laughs> don't mm-hmm. don't kill monks." He's like, "This is your one and only warning. Be cool, bro." And then he he teleports out with the uh the other monk who was there and the priest of joaquin's like dang thanks uh they would have definitely beaten me to death with their powerful fists and (laughs) then he said hey uh you know we just don't have any food what do you think we can do about that and i was like here's a bunch of money i gave him a thousand gold that's one way i hope that there's somewhere to buy food with that money um i'm that's not my problem Probably just going to spend it on religious materials to evangelize about a dead god. Oh, God. What if it is a. What if this is a bid? Like, he needs the money in order to pretend that the that Joaquin is granting prayers. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Doing a little. Like, putting some coins underneath people's pillows and saying Joaquin did it. Bringing. Oh my Lord. Bringing nice trade. Into the town and saying you're implicated in all this. That's okay. I don't. I don't care. If people get fed, I don't have a strong opinion on it. Mm-hmm. But then we go do some other stuff. Yeah. So this is interesting. There's a lot of little areas, and I think just to give like a like kind of a bird's eye view, we're really leaning hard into what we saw as a as a as a true shift in Siege of Dragon Spears encounter design. Discreet. Uh, curated encounters more than Gygaxian environs filled with, you know, appropriate critters, right? Yeah. And I think that's like the back half of this of this episode is going to be kind of like areas like this. We basically go to this kind of wooded area, and there's this character called a woodcutter there, and you can talk to them, and you do, like, a little mystery solving, and you go to, like, these graves, basically, and you find out, oh, man, the woodcutter is actually buried in one of those graves. I'm, I think I'm correct here. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. That's how I discovered that the woodcutter was not actually a woodcutter and was actually a drow. Wait, you discovered that? Yeah. How'd you discover it? Because I went to the grave, and I found out that the woodcutter was buried there. 
what did what did you do? You like read a thing? Yeah, I read a thing and then went back to the woodcutter and then like went somewhere else and then when I went back to the grave, I discovered that. Hmm. No, what happened for me is I like I showed up. The woodcutter's like, "Hey, I was over uh, at the uh, at the other part of the forest and I heard I saw some weird looking elves show up and then they disappeared. What's up with that?" And I was hmm. like, "All right." So I go over there, and I got attacked by, like, a beholder of some sort and a bunch of drow. And I went back to the woodcutter, and I was like, what the hell's going on? He said, you know what? I also saw some weird-looking elves up in the north uh, near my <laughs> near these graves, near the grave of my, my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can go look, check that out. And I went up there, and I fought another beholder and a bunch of other stuff. And then I just went back to the woodcutter, and I was like, what the hell, dude? Why does this keep happening? And he said, nah, Did you I'm examine the grave you. after you uh, no. fought the beholder? No. Yeah, I think it says it then. He, uh, well, in any case, like, no matter what, he attacks you when you go back to him. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know if it even matters. Um, but yeah, so he was like, well, you know, I'm the guardian, blah, blah, blah. And I fought him, and what I thought was really cool about that fight is that all of the woodland critters that were around him, mm-hmm. which are, there's like some bunnies and like a chicken and a moose and blah, blah, a blah. S- the, a squirrel. A squirrel. They were all polymorphed drow. Dang, that's commitment to the mission right there. It really is. It's like going on, like uh, like being on a submarine. That's a hardship post. You're getting yeah. pay and a half. Like I, you know, well, you know, I guess I'm gonna go. I'll, uh, you know, I'll see you later, family. I'm gonna go spend 18 months as a moose, mm-hmm. just in case some meddlesome adventure comes comes around. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the real tragedy there, right? Is that the that moose or that squirrel who was a drow they teleported or, or polymorphed rather back into their their true humanoid form and they got to mm-hmm. stretch their shoulders a little bit and like oh feel good and then immediately they were killed damn I, I annihilated them mm-hmm. with spells and magic it's a problem and, and swords yeah well that's the world we live in though it's a bad strategy i think ultimately um but anyway, we find an entrance into this new Underdark area. And we also note here that it's obvious that the woodcutter is a drow because the woodcutter is dual-wielding axes. Yes. Uh, I legit, I didn't know he was a drow. I, in fact, didn't know that Sendai was a drow at all uh, at this point. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, when I teleported in and I saw that there was someone named Woodcutter who was dual-wielding <laughs> one-handed axes, I thought that was very weird. Yeah, that's a pretty... Uh, Pretty suspicious. <laughs> yeah, he uh, berserks his way through the forest, spinning sure. in a whirlwind pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get into the entrance, and we go through a series of Underdark encounters. What are Underdark uh, monsters? Umberhulks, Myconids, spiders, especially sword spiders. Basically, that's what, the, like, the... They're fine, right? But it is, like, it is these, uh... We haven't seen many, like, hook horrors, have we? I don't think hook horrors are in this game. I don't. I think we gotta wait till Icewind Dale to get, are like, the, are a, they... a good hook horror. I think they are, like, kind of out of D&D. Are they not in D&D anymore? I don't think they're in 5th edition. Um, I, I might be wrong, but I don't, I don't think they are. Uh, which is kind of a bummer. I know in Icewind Dale, they, um... You'll, like, go to approach some Umberhulks, and they'll drop down from the ceiling behind oh, you. Oh, horrors. Yeah. Damn it. 
They're rude as hell. Drizzt Doorden had a hard time with hook horrors. I know. If Drizzt Doorden has a hard time with hook horrors, imagine. I, I'm doing it. I'm doing Ima- it right are now. Are you imagining it right now, how bad that is? If only I had an axe in each hand, yeah. I might be able to do it. But yeah, they're, it's just kind of like... Uh, the first encounter is actually quite interesting. It's like four... Uh, I forget what they're called, but like they shriekers but they're not quite shriekers in uh Baldur's Gate 2 but the idea is they're uh, sedentary myconids that shake and scream and do all kinds of stuff yes and it summons more myconids and they like have a aoe attack as well so you just gotta kill them first they're like the they're like the spawn points in gauntlet I, I mean, I'll give you this little little tidbit of information. I solved every single encounter most encounters I guess I'll say in this episode and probably up until the end of the game by summoning a planetar and then summoning four mordecanian swords and mm-hmm. then sending them off screen to what go does, fight uh, everything what's the planetar look like it's just a big blue it's it's the same as like the solar in our mm. uh, thing and understood yeah, it's just a big old blue angel and uh someone in my party viconia now can summon a um a fallen deva which is like a fallen angel Dang. Uh, which has different resistances and a different kind of attack. So if my planetar is not doing the right kind of damage that I want, I just get the other one to do it. Darn. So, so it's pretty it's, sweet. It's brutal. Um, yeah. But yeah, basically, we kind of work our way through here, and we get to... We kind of go into a new zone, and we get a little uh, cutscene that kind of tell, sets the stage with uh, with Sendai. So who's who's who are like the main players in this cutscene? There's Sendai, who is a drow something. I don't really know what her class is meant. I mean, to be. it's kind of ostensibly if she's a spellcaster or a priestess, because it's very unusual for there to be a drow uh, like a woman that is a mage. Mm, she, but she's not. Uh, I like. I think that's true in like the novels. I don't think that is held true in uh, in the Baldur's Gate games. But is that she, true? She does way too many wizard spells later. Later when we do stuff, and she mm-hmm. also says that her priestess. So setting the stage a little bit more. There's a priestess, there's a captain of the guard, and there is a illithid. Okay. All in here. In her, like, parts, like, her adventuring party, basically. Mm-hmm. And, yes, yeah, so she says specifically later uh, in one of the cutscenes, she says that is her priestess is killed. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, which would imply she's not a priestess. Priestess to me. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't have the background in like uh, in the way Baldur's Gate interprets, but I mean, from all the Forgotten Realms uh, novels, Sendai should be a priestess of some kind. But maybe it makes sense that she's not a priestess if she's a ball spawn. Maybe Loth wants no part of that, right? No, but she's got like the favor of Loth uh, because there's a little bit of talk of matron mothers, and mm-hmm. that that she's going to take credit for killing Garion's ward, aka us. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the matron mothers, which means she's in favor with Loth. So there's all kinds of weird stuff yeah. going on here. I don't. I think there's maybe a little bit more fidelity to the gameplay and the scenario design than there is to Forgotten Realms lore, which I think is probably good because in between all of these major fights, we go back and we get more of these cutscenes about her and seeing her reactions to what we're doing here. Yeah. And you and I were talking about, uh, before we started recording, that this might be the best section of all of these games so far. Yeah, and I've got a big topic at the end where we talk about, like, 
why we think that all put together. If you want, we can interject and kind of address that here, like why let's, we let's, think that. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, let's let's talk about a little bit about what the encounter is, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about that at the end. I think so, that's a good place to put it. Which encounter do you want to talk about? So, so there's this, and there you you go from this opening encounter that we just talked about. There's yeah. some barracks. You uh, go into those barracks. You get a key from a bunch of drow, and at this point, right, this is throne of balls. So we are killing ah uh, fifteen creatures at a go. Like yeah. these are big chunky encounters. Oh yeah, and then and then you had, kind of have a choice. Um, there is a northern tunnel and a southern tunnel. Yes, and we have the option of doing that. I only did the southern tunnels, and I did the northern tunnel. Well, what happened in those? It's pretty cool. There's a there's a bunch of darrows, which, if you recall in your D and D understanding, they're basically like gray dwarves. Or, like, a specific sub-species like of dwarf that are, like, notoriously psionic and unstable, basically. I think that Darrow's... I, I'm not 100% on this, but I believe that Darrow's were enslaved by illithids. And mm-hmm. they have been, like, warped with psionics over yeah. the years. Something yeah. along those lines. But they were they at one point uh, Dwegar? I don't know. I think they just said they all share dwarf lineage. I don't know if they... Like, I think they might be cousins of the Dwegar, maybe not direct descendants. I don't know. Interesting. In any case, uh, there's a slave master there. And he, and basically, in the previous cutscene, we saw Sendai be like, hey, make sure the slaves like know that these folks are coming. Slave master six a bunch of darrows on me. I just go for the slave master because, as you know, Balthazar has very strong opinions about the institution of slavery and those that support it. Mm-hmm. So if I have the choice between attacking a slave... And the slave master that's right there, that's that's a that's a no brainer for Balthazar. Yeah. So I go for the slave master and he kind of despawns. So I run ahead a bit and he's the slave master's still there at the end. Or like on the at the next group, and he's like, Oh my gosh, they're still coming. Uh more slaves. Go at him. Once again, I bypass the slaves, go right for the slave master, he despawns. This happens a total of three times. And on hmm. the fourth time, the slave like I haven't killed any slaves. I haven't killed a Darrow yet. Um, cause I'm like quite fast, so I can yeah. just like run past everybody. And eventually the slave master's like, well, I gotta, I guess I gotta do it myself. And then I just murk him right in front of every slave. <laughs> just like, it's like three hits, just bam, bam. And then just give him into the wall and all the slaves keep running at me, but I'm like, I have no reason to hurt any of you. So I just zone out. That's good. Yeah. That's a good, that's I like a good story. They got to figure that out on their own now. Mm hmm. But uh, uh, apparently the apparently the um, the other tunnels weren't as uh, interesting. It's just got some spiders in it. <laughs> it's like just spiders, lot, like an immense amount of spiders. <laughs> yes, not nothing to write home about. Oh well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, it's okay. I don't care. Um, but after that, we go. Uh, it, 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 it like cuts. We get another cutscene, of course. And Sendai, like the captain of the guard, comes back and he's like, "Oh my gosh, the Garin's ward's still coming!" And she just gibbs him, or no, she like rips <laughs> his soul out of his body, ironic yeah. style. Oh yeah. And then she says, uh, "She's like, ah, oh, we gotta stop him from going there or something, right?" Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then there is a room, and the room has like one door. To the right. And the door to the right says, like, Inner Sanctum or something. Sure. And the door in the top just says, Lich. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was like, I guess I'll, I'll go in the Lich door uh, to see what happens. And lo and behold, you know what's in there? 
What's in there? There's a lich. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I believe the Odamaron. Odamaron is his name. And I actually had a really easy time killing him. Yeah, me too. It was not difficult in the least. I summoned my, my planetar, my solar, whatever the heck they're called. My well, the Dave problem one. is I knew what was coming, so I was just ready. Like, everything yeah. was up, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, very similar thing. I I now have, like, spell... It's not spell pierce because that has a magic card, but something like that, spell jack, um, that just straight up legit gets rid of all spell protections from someone. So I can mm. just zap them with that thing, and it makes a made that lich go down pretty quick. And I picked up some interesting stuff off of him. I picked up a ward stone, mm-hmm. which is like going to open the other door. Did you did you read the description on the ward stone? I have not. No. It just says uh, by this point you've seen enough ward stones to know that this will open a door. Great. I'm glad that the game's leaning into what it is here. Yeah. Um, and then we got like a black heart, and then the skull of a lich. And both of those say something to the effect of like you can combine these with other evil evil items mm. to upgrade them and i didn't really know what that meant i'm sure it's some kind of cespinar nonsense right i i have to assume so yeah do you have them in your inventory yeah I do. so you could talk to cespinar cespinar will probably fill you in right oh ah cespinar huh, mm-hmm. and then good good lord you we gotta go in and <laughs> the priestess of loth is there mm-hmm the and final, she, like, the final uh, kind of person that Sendai sends out of the chamber. No, that's not true at all. <laughs> well, I mean, there's one more captain of the guard. Oh, my God, you're right. Yeah. There are, like, three more groups. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Um, so so, so this, it's this kind of constant building, like, encounter set by encounter set. So this one is really weird, I thought, right? Mm-hmm. She's a priestess, and she's standing at the top of, of some stairs, and she says, listen... I'll fight you, but you have to fight this big-ass earth elemental first. Okay, bye! And she teleports away. Mm-hmm. And there's just a big... There's, like, two earth elementals and, like, an earth elemental boss. And you gotta fight them and kill them. Mm-hmm. And then that you, earth elemental was kind of difficult, right? He was hard. I uh, I think Saravok ended up doing it. Because when Saravok hits, he hits for 200 damage. 200? 200 multiple times because he's got like a plus five sword and multiple times over the course of this play session that i did uh saravok would hit something for 200 damage do you reckon that was like a triggered ability of some sort i have no idea he's got like a 22 strength i mean but that's the thing balthazar has a I just don't know how you add up to that amount of damage because Balthazar has a 25 strength all the time, is using a 1d10 weapon because he's using like a bastard sword or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, I've never seen 200. I don't know. It I've seen 60s occasionally, right? And I've also seen, like, if it is a... And that's the thing. I was even using the, you know, my, my hammer. So I should have had... Um, like a bonus against golems. I don't know. I'd love to see the footage. Zoom I will, in on I will, it. I will do it. It's really weird. I don't know if he hit him that time for 200, but he has mm-hmm. hit several other enemies in this thing for 200 damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, instantly killing them. Interesting. Um, but yeah, well, you, you kill those, and then you gotta go kill her in the other room. Yeah. Priestess, 
uh, Diathia, right? Mm-hmm. I have no memory of that fight. It, it was not memorable. I sent uh, my dudes in there, and they did it for me. But well, then, go. this is like the set piece, I think. The next one. Mm-hmm. She's got like a captain of the guard guy. And he's yes. in the room, and he's like, I'm going to straight up kill you. There's nothing mm-hmm. you can do. I'm going to murder you. And then what happens? And I think, am I the one that challenges this person to single combat? Or I think the guard is the one that gets that idea. And I'm like, <laughs> I look around and I was like, what else was there going to be? No, it's the spectator. Ooh, the, the spectator, spectator introduced that idea? Yes, the spectator, who is a big beholder. That we've he, already met before. That we've already met before, one time. And he suggests, he says, hey, you know what? You know what we could do? We could just, uh, because this is where the, the favor of Loth comes in. He says, listen, if you kill him, or if you kill Chicklevar, Balthazar, mm-hmm. then Sendai will take credit with the matron mothers for yes. killing him. Because it'll be under her direction. If you do it in single combat, there's no way she can take credit for it. Because they will know it was you by yourself. And he says, that's a pretty good idea. And he says, or how do you feel about that? And I said, heck yeah, I'll do that. And then the spectator casts a Gia's on us, uh, which means that if one of us dies, then everyone who is our ally dies as well. Mm. So everyone in this room agrees to it. And then Chicklevar goes into the single 1v1 combat and summons his giant angelic friend who beats <laughs> this guy to death. Is it, uh, do you think the guy ever had a chance? Was the guy ever going to be able to like, uh, I don't know, interrupt Ticklevar's spell casting? Yeah, he could have theoretically, but it did um, not happen. It did not happen. It, well. it, it really didn't go well for him. And then as soon as he died, all the drow in the room died. And, uh, I got to talk to the spectator. Hmm. And what did the spectator say? He was like, hey, hey, bro, what's up? I remember asking, hey, spectator, why didn't you die? And the spectator is like, well, I didn't cast that shit on myself. Do I look stupid? Yeah, he's like, why would I do that? If, <laughs> if you don't remember uh, uh, Range Touch Nation viewers, mm-hmm. uh, the spectator was when we were in the Sahuagin City. Uh, mm-hmm. The spectator was like in the Dro uh, Palace guarding that chest. And he didn't want to do that anymore. And I, like, helped him trick his way out of it so he could leave. And I could get the stuff out of the chest. And Balthazar killed him. Yeah. But you can say directly to him. You can be like, aren't you the guy I met in the Sahuagin city? And he was like, yeah. (laughs) You did meet me there. That was a bad job. I hated it. And, yeah, Balthazar said, hey, didn't I kill you there? And the, uh, the, the spectator basically says, oh, well, I think that that probably happened. Well... Can't keep a good beholder down. <laughs> He's good. He's good. Uh, if Samon Havarian is the true villain of the franchise, then the spectator might be the true sidekick, the true good guy. The, the spectator is the hero we all need but do not deserve. Yeah, that's true. He's good. Mm-hmm. If you're making a game of this sort, you should have a spectator. Mm-hmm. And then after that, good God, we got to find a bunch of mind flayers again. It's a bunch of mind flayers, obligatory now. If you're in the Underdark, they just, they're there. Uh, interesting enough, they're not just mind flayers. There's Ultharids. Ultharids, yeah. Which are like the, the ultimate form they're of it. They're ultra illithids. 
Yeah, I guess that is true. It's exactly what that is. Oh, gosh. But then we have a final boss battle. Like a straight-up mm-hmm. boss battle. It's so good. This boss battle is so good. <laughs> With Sendai, so explain it. So, uh, you confront Sendai in this chamber, and the chamber is kind of one central circular room. And off of that circular room are, I think, like eight little mini chambers. Um, or mini platforms, rather, because they're not separated by walls. They're just kind of floating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you confront Sendai, and basically there are not, uh, statues in each of those little platforms surrounding the central platform. And Sendai will become one of those, uh, one of those, well, you fight her, and then she says, oh, well, you're not going to defeat me. And basically you go through the second phase is you have to fight each one of those statues that occupy each one of those um, mini platforms separately. And each one has a different combat style. Like one is a, one's using a bow, one's using close combat, one's like a rogue that disappears, right? Yeah. And there are also like some ad phases that happens in the middle of that. Yeah, every time she changes bodies or statues or whatever, there's another like four, three or four drow that Mm -hmm. come in the the door. So you have to deal with those as well. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm curious about how this worked for Ticklevar. Or Or for Balthazar. For Balthazar. It was very easy, actually, because oh, Balthazar really? is only one player. So mm-hmm. oftentimes, Balthazar got an opportunity to quick save in between statues. Oh, uh, yeah, that's not that's not as interesting. Mine was like a true like fifteen, oh, excuse me, fifteen minute like smash apart difficult thing. Did you get it at the first try? No, I did not. I I got it all the way to the last phase on the first try. Uh, I died, died once too, but I was able to reload to like in between phases. No, nope. I had to do my whole thing. The like, whole thing, yeah. Uh, which was which is still pretty good. And by the end of it, it's just literally people running around. Like Viconia died somewhere in there. Uh, someone was like held. To I think Saravok and Nira were both held, so they couldn't do anything. So it was really just three characters fighting the fight. And she she like summons a demon. She does a gate and summons a uh-huh. demon, and that demon was just throwing fireballs at my party, which doesn't really kill them or anything at this <laughs> point. But uh, but so he was just kind of chilling out. He like couldn't move from his initial position both times it happened. Yeah, um, yeah. But there's just a lot going on. It's it, one of the more satisfying fights, I think. Uh, it's very in intricate, but unlike, I think it's so easy for this engine and like this style of game to get too intricate and be bad, right? Yeah. Whereas this was very intricate, yet very satisfying. It felt balanced. It felt very right, all of it. Yeah, as longtime listeners uh, and viewers know, I am not the most detailed-oriented caster player in the the history of Baldur's Gate. And I think that if I were a very detail-oriented, micromanaging, turn-by-turn player, it would have been very frustrating. But I'm not. I like you know. I'll throw Saravok at the fast thing and, and loose. Yeah, sure. I'll try it ten times rather than do it one time really slow. Um, and that, it pan, paid off. But I can imagine a world where it didn't pay off. It the balance of this encounter was just right. I thought. Mm-hmm. No, I thought it was great. Um, and I don't know. It was just very satisfying when I laid that final uh, killing blow. 
down, right? Like, that's what it's all about. Like, to feel like when you conquer the boss, you really did... You overcame something. And I and I felt that. And I think that the cutscenes along the way kind of gave me enough... Enough purchase with Sendai's character, right? Like, someone... Which we haven't really talked about it, but you can definitely tell this is someone who's in the Empire Buildings phase. Not... Not fully Iron Throne level or anything, but has obviously a lot of different factions at her disposal. And that I, as a, this, you know, Garion's Ward ball spawn, felt initially felt like I was just kind of like a thorn in her side. But as the cutscenes kind of moved forward and she had to send more and more people, that I was kind of like dismantling this project that she'd been working on and being able to, being able to like overcome her. Uh, and her nefarious plot was, you know, satisfying on a narrative level for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. I think that the, you know, you have here, this, this is the big topic, why is this, uh, why do we think this is the best chunk of the game so far? I think it's just that. I think that there's ac really active signposting mm -hmm. throughout the course of it to, like, tell you what the state of the world is and, like, what the story of the enemies are. At the same time, I think a lot of that, you know, now in retrospect, a whole lot of Siege of Dragonspear is doing the same stuff, except, and I think this is really critical and really key, and I've written about this uh, before in a piece for Waypoint where I wrote about Saravok, mm -hmm. but, but there is a, a crucial difference. Like, I am not of the opinion that the best villain is someone who believes they are a hero and is pursuing that goal. Mm -hmm. Like that is kind of like common fantasy and writing and general advice at this point. I don't know if I find that to be true. I don't find those narratives nearly as compelling. And I think the reason that Kalar Argent came off as perhaps not as interesting or in, in, in you know emotional investment worthy in Siege of Dragon Spear is like she is clearly a protagonist doing her own thing, and we occasionally run into her and we occasionally like bump into her plans. Yeah. Sendai is a villain who is responding to us, which makes me feel very important in the world. Yeah, I think yeah, that's a crucial difference. Absolutely. And we're getting inter-adventure cutscenes, whereas with Kalar Argent and her lieutenants, it's generally inter-chapter cutscenes. Yeah. And I think yes. that's a big difference. Like, me, I've overcome the slaves, right, or the slave master, and I get a cutscene acknowledging that. As opposed to, like, having to play the whole chapter and then getting one cutscene to be like, oh, they're making this progress. Yeah. And all yeah. of these Illithids are, like, not waiting here infinitely for anyone to come through. They are here because I am here. Yes, exactly. And they're, they're freaking out. Yeah, so I think that combined with the really cool design where I was, like, playing and I was like, this is some, this is the most interesting combat I've played in these games. That final, that boss fight with Sendai. Easily. Yeah. So. Well, what happens at the very I guess we'll talk about this one last thing. So at the end of the Sendai boss battle, you get that final blow you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And then we get sucked back into the ball dimension, hell, whatever it's called, our pocket plane. Our pocket plane. And me from the future shows up. Mm -hmm. Or an alternate world. It's unclear. And... Tell explains Alondo's prophecy to me, mm -hmm. and and the explanation is, you are not the bad ball spawn in the prophecy. Hmm, you're the ball spawn who's meant to 
stop the bad ball, ball spawn in the prophecy. And so I immediately asked the question. I was like, well, what happens to me after that? And they were like, well, that's up to you, buddy. So it's a really weird, like, disambiguation narrative thing to be like, hey, hey, hey. I know you could be confused about if you're the the person who rain, brings the destruction or the person who prevents the destruction. But here's the thing. You prevent it. Just FYI, letting you know. So this is literally the ghost of Christmas present. Yeah. Yeah. Because the last one was the ghost of Christmas past where we saw our mother. Mm-hmm. Who is now dead. Now we are seeing a ball spawn from a parallel dimension, basically. We're, like, talking to a clone of ourselves to get some kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, glean some kind of insight. I didn't, I didn't get much of this. Much out of this, rather. Right? Yeah, I mean, we already know all this. We already know that we have to kill the other ball spawn because the game is having us do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it feels like it is a justification for what the game is having us do rather than adding anything to it yeah. or interpreting it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't find it very compelling. One other thing before we end that we did not talk about last time and I thought we should have after we mm-hmm. recorded... There is a point in the early in Throne of Ball where it is explained to us that Saravok and Gorion's ward, so Saravok and Balthazar, Saravok and Ticklevar and Balthazar, maybe all in one place, that they were all in the same temple of Ball, and Gorion came in with his harpers to bust up the Ball stuff, mm-hmm. and he only saved one person. And that is Gorion's ward. And he left Saravok behind. And yeah. that is why Saravok became Saravok. Yeah, and we are asked by someone, by the Solar, well, what do you think about that? What do you think? Does that change your opinion of Saravok? Is that, that was one of the questions mm-hmm. posed to me. Did it? Yeah, I don't, I don't Balthazar don't give a fuck. Well, it's about it, some counterfactual <laughs> nonsense. It's not a counterfactual. It, 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 it occurred. I know, but, like, the idea <laughs> is, oh, well, do you think that... No, but the implication was, oh, do you think that Saravok would have been a good little boy if mm-hmm. uh, Gorion would have taken him? He might have been a bad little boy. Well, here's the thing. Balthazar is not a good little boy himself. <laughs> <laughs> Balthazar is bad. Mm-hmm. He he has some ideals of justice that he pursues, but most of the time he's just killing swaths of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I don't know, know if he's just, the proper ju- judge. Justice is the death in Balthazar's wake (laughs) because there's no author to any alternative justice so saith the wise (laughs) Uh, okay well I think that's this episode we're gonna pick up uh, in episode 40 gosh episode 40 Um, episode 40 where we're finishing off the uh, the back half of chapter 9 yeah yeah it'll be good go down to the description (laughs) follow us on twitter uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Hit like on this video. Come hang out in the Discord if you want. We do fun stuff over there. It's fun. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We do. Goodbye. Ciao. So sad.